Welcome to another hard-hitting episode of Customer Cafe by Calabria. Calabria is a tool that turns good account managers into great account managers through the power of great collaboration. A great account manager is a team player. This podcast is made for those in sales, customer success, and account management as a place to caffeinate, ideate, and collaborate. Subscribe now for the latest brew. Let's Let's hit hit the the grind. grind. Welcome to the show. My name is Menachem, VP of Growth here at Calabria. Hey, I'm Sharon. I am the senior content manager and we do, I do community too here at Calabria. And uh, yeah, before we start, uh, just a quick uh, housekeeping uh, announcement. We're getting ready to launch Calabria and we're looking for beta users to help us test the product and tell us basically what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong uh, and how it can be better. So if you're in sales and account management, and I hope you are because you're listening to this podcast on sales and account management. Um, customer and, success is welcome too. And the customer success. Uh, and you use Outlook as your primary email client because we're, we're launching early on Outlook. Uh, we would love to give you an early look. Uh, so please go to calabria.com and sign up. It's free. Um, and either Sharon or I will reach out personally and we'll give you a walkthrough of what we're building. And it could be fun and exciting. So yeah, look forward to meeting you. Uh, can and I, we're can joined... I add to that though? Yeah, it, go ahead. If you're feeling a sense of FOMO because you use Gmail, um, let us know that because we <laughs> could ramp up that roadmap if you weigh in and let us still have some testimonials. Calabria is going to be for everybody, but we're starting with Outlook users. Um, and uh, that brings us to Bree. We're joined today by Bree uh, Bree Sprague. Bree. Uh, so Bree knows how to pivot in life uh, and is never afraid to try anything new. Uh, she's got a diverse background in health and wellness, entrepreneurship, and of course, sales and SaaS. Uh, a solution-focused leader, her mission is to help train, teach, and inspire others on their own personal on their own journey to personal greatness. Uh, Bree lives in Tampa, Florida, and in her personal time, she enjoys spending time with her son his wife, and her granddaughter, Rogue, travel mm-hmm. and training for fitness comp- competitions. Uh, Bree, welcome to the show. Hey, I'm so glad that you had me. Thank you. Uh, so Bree, uh, how, how would you say your career journey uh, has impacted your understanding of sales? And how'd you get here? Oh, well, that's, that's a long story, but I'll give you the bullet points. Um, you know, I, I think that some people, myself included, were natural-born salespeople, uh, and and in the journey that I've had, um, it's always really been people-focused, um, trying to help find a solution. And everything I did from personal training, my background in health, wellness, fitness, nutrition, pharmaceutical sales, um, and then later on, you know, having my own business, it's always been about figuring out how I can help somebody. Um, I've always had that word to be of service laid on my heart. And, and, you know, I know things about people and, and even myself, you know, if, if something's important to you, if it's a priority, you'll always make time and you'll always make money for it. And, and in the world of sales, uh, I found that, you know, in my own journey that, you just, if, if, if it's somebody's not right, if somebody's not ready to take any type of action, you haven't found what their priority is. And, and I look at that across the whole journey. Every single time it's been about, you know, finding that pain point, hot button, whatever you want to call it, but that, that light bulb moment for somebody to say, wow, I need, I need to take action. And, and when I made a pivot into SaaS, uh, I had had my own business for a decade in, in nutrition and fitness coaching. And, and it was a great experience, but I was ready to do something different. Salesforce was in Indianapolis where I was living. Uh, I had a lot of friends, still do, have a lot of friends who work there. And um, in 2018, I first decided, well, I think I might give this, this a try, see what it's like. And uh, I found that the very, <laughs> the very uh, qu- the question I'd get all the time, which was, you're really overqualified to be an SDR. And I say, okay, well, let's talk about account management. Well, you, you have to start as an SDR. And I said, but didn't you just say I was overqualified? <laughs> which one comes first, the chicken or the egg? And, and then COVID happened, major life pivot, empty nester, worldwide pandemic. Uh, my business changed. And I said, let's try this SaaS thing again. And uh, 
you know, through a series of networking, um, which is selling yourself in, in itself, you know, and, and providing yourself as the solution um, and meeting some wonderful people along the way, uh, continuing to expand my knowledge base. Um, I ended up in SAS and, and, you know, I guess you could say that I, I always knew one thing again, it was how to really get to read people and how to help find their solution. And, and if you can provide that solution, um, the sale really becomes, I hate to use the word easy, but much easier. <laughs> what is that sale? Like, what are you, um, what are you selling? Uh, well, right now, actually, I'm just I'm pivoting into a new position, which I'm very excited about that uh, opportunity came about because, you know, in the whole world of networking, I, I met a wonderful guy named Tim Savage, who saw my ability, he knew what I could do in, in entrepreneurship, um, you know, working 100%, 100% commission for a decade, building your own business. It's a lot of work. And if, if you don't work, a lot of you're pressure. Not, yeah, you, you're not paying the bills if you're not yeah. working. And, and uh, I fortunately had the skill set of video. Hopefully I performed pretty well here. People seem to like to watch me and, and the beautiful, beautiful thing about building a business at this time, like what you're doing with the podcast and everything else is really being able to showcase who you are, what you do and how you can help. And so for myself, the sales process always starts with a lot of questions, but in my own business, it always started with being an observer first. Um, you know, you can't just walk up to somebody and say, hey, you need this when you have no idea <laughs> if they need it or not. And, and so questions are always the answer. Uh, mm -hmm. building, building a rapport, but also getting straight to the point because we're all busy people. And, um, and, you know, I think we've all had a demo or two in our life that was very painful to sit through <laughs> because those questions and, and, and being able to really do that discovery, either was it done ahead of time or during the actual demo, you know, it was completely irrelevant to what you needed because um, you didn't take the time to even see, do they, do they have a problem? Do they have a problem that needs solving? Yeah. Let me ask you, do you think that your job or strategy has changed um, based on the various, you know, industries that you've worked in? Um, I would say the strategy has been very similar because at the end of the day, sales really is sales, you know, but it depends on, for me, it really depended on probably the passion level um, and, and what I was most excited about doing and, and what really, to be honest, tripped my own trigger to get into it. Um, but the actual methodology is, is pretty similar all across the board. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's that solution focused. It's, it's asking the right questions. It's, it's, you know, it's having that light bulb go off when you're like, oh yeah, I need this. And, and we all know that, you know, we come down to, you know, most buyers buy on emotion and justify with logic. And, mm -hmm. and, and, and that's still the same, I think, even with, with bigger purchases with, with other companies when they're looking at, wow, how do I, how do I, it might not be a personal, personal emotional need, but is it gonna better the company in the long run? And in the end, there is part of it that's what's in it for me. Can I, can, can I take us that way that may make sense in my head and it may, yes. may not make sense in yours? Um, when it comes to emotion and personal needs, and I'm nervous to ask this questions given your background in fitness, but, <laughs> coffee and sales <laughs> what's the relationship between coffee and sales you're drinking coffee. oh my god I'm so relieved I was nervous to ask the question <laughs> okay oh I saw this one and I was thinking about that um uh, does it does it, does it and I'm a little nervous if I'm going to give a wrong answer how about that there's no wrong uh, reason to drink coffee <laughs> well okay well, um, I think that um, no matter if it's coffee or, or something else, you find a common bond and, and a commonality, um, you know, and, and, you know, 
being able to, to meet somebody for a coffee and have a discussion, being able to follow up with somebody. I love, I love sending follow-ups to people and, you know, this world of technology and sending it over to them. Hey, I was thinking about you or thank you for your time, really nurturing that relationship. But, um, you know, I, I think that whether it's coffee or something else, it's finding a commonality and, and a reason to even open up the discussion. Uh, and when I was in, uh, health, wellness, nutrition, right? Uh, one of the easiest ways to even start a conversation is you ask almost anyone, you know, how are you doing today? And they're like, oh, I'm so tired. <laughs> I think that is like <laughs> nine out of 10 people, that is their response, which, you know, I, you know, in, in my own business, well, guess what? I, I had an energy drink <laughs> and I knew my market, right? I knew that, you know, at, at the time when I started that business, and I think that's also important for any, obviously anybody in sales, know your market. Um, you know, I knew that, you know, 80% of all energy drinks were sold in the United States. <laughs> I can stand outside of any gas station wow. where people go in and out and buy, you know, Red Bull or whatever their, their flavor of energy drink was. And I also knew that I had a product that was uh, cost-effective you know, better because, and that's a whole other tangent about shelf being things being shelf stable, but um, that I could, I could help solve their energy problem. Right. So I think, uh, you know, long tangent, maybe not the right answer, but at the same time, you know, I, it always comes down to being an observer and finding a common base that you can really start a conversation with. That's great that you went right to the kind of social aspect of coffee and how it you know, encourages collaboration. And, you know, that's kind of the, the like old school European coffee shop, coffee houses, uh, you know, where ideas are exchanged, uh, kind of the, like it brings it back to the original um, understanding of, you know, what coffee can do. Um, just kind of, we, Sharon, we really need to be talking about coffee more on this podcast. I feel like it's so much a part of the branding, you know, the know. customer cafe. Let's, let's, uh, and, let's start making and sure. And a that part we... of our lives. So, <laughs> I, I, I live on coffee. It's definitely my coffee, uh, being a coffee connoisseur over the years. Um, I've, I've definitely become a little bit of a coffee snob. I had a lovely latte last night at this little shop in Texas. that was well wow. worth your caffeine in the evening. It's funny because when I think of coffee Texas. in Texas, I don't think of Texas as being... <laughs> oh, don't get me wrong. I had barbecue first. So okay. I had a giant... Okay of meat in front of me where my eyeballs were way too big for my stomach and I don't eat a lot of <laughs> it was an interesting interesting combo afterwards so so Brie, you've you've worn a number of different sales hats uh in in your career could you you know describe a few of them um and tell us what you what you like the most and and why you know I I had two different hats in health, wellness, and fitness. Um, one was based really on, I will say, preventative medicine, utilizing exercise, nutrition, um, to really have a better quality of life. And, and, and for me, even myself, um, I'm very passionate. Uh, I've, I've struggled in my own way in life. Um, I'm a much better athlete as I get older. I'm working on that title of being world's fittest grandma. Um, but amazing. I know, right. Um, but, uh, you know, I was, was, and still am very passionate. You know, I do that on the, I do, um, I have my fitness side hustle. Um, and, and, you know, I just, I want people to be well, um, I transition, I always say, and there's nothing wrong with the world of pharmaceuticals. So let me preface that, but, um, I was seduced out of personal training as a young person in my mid twenties, because at the time uh, there was no virtual training. There was no ability to expand outside of the gym. And, you know, you're in your mid twenties and you get a company car thrown at you and, and, and expense account and all the perks of all of that bonus salary. Um, it's really appealing. Uh, and mm -hmm. much of being a, a personal trainer is really truly being an entrepreneur. You're hustling for clients. Mm -hmm. and, and even in the online world, you're hustling. And, um, and I was, my, my transition still in health and wellness, it was pharmaceuticals, but I transitioned into pain management and, and it was a good job. It was a good company. It has a product that needed to be used because, you know, pain is so subjected. Uh, we didn't call it the opioid epidemic then. Uh, and, uh, that was a, a part in my life in sales where 
I was able to still transition those skills for helping, talking to doctors, having high level conversations about mechanism action. I'm kind of a, a geek when it comes down to it. I'm a process geek, um, but it went against my core values of who I am. And I think people, no matter what your career journey is, you know, if you're feeling stagnant or you're like, you, if you hate Mondays or you're just not enthused about what you're doing, you're making money, but you're not happy. It's time to make a change. And um, I realized after nearly three years in that job that, that it, it was sales. I was making great money, but I wasn't happy. Um, and, and so my entire journey with sales has always been looking at trying to find that alignment um, and, and, and working with people I like, people I trust, uh, you know, products I believe in. Like I'm super stoked about transitioning to cybersecurity. If you would have asked me in my mid twenties, I'd been like, "What? Who wants?" <laughs> but um, but you know, finding something that you know people really need. And so um, when it comes down to it, um, you know, my my journey in sales has has always been about that that passion for helping people, you know, um, and, and I think I might have, I might need a little more coffee. So if I'm, <laughs> if I'm dodging around the entire question, you might need to redirect me. Uh, <laughs> but, but that's really, really what it's been about for me is, is just really solution focused, making sure I'm in alignment. Um, I even had a phase in my own business, 2015, I was making more money every single month than I even knew what to do with. And money in itself is great. We all like having more money than having no money because I have been totally broke in my life. Money's like all right. Yeah, money's all right. It pays the bills, it keeps, keeps, keeps the lights on, um, but it doesn't guarantee you happiness, right? Mm -hmm. And in 2015, my business was booming, but I caught myself saying, I've never made so much money and been so unhappy. And, and, and even there I was as an entrepreneur, I was out of alignment and I had to make some changes just because, um, you know, and I'm very strategic about what I do now, because if, if, if you're not happy in your career, if you don't feel like you're providing service to somebody, then what's it worth making all this money just to be miserable? How do you, how do you get that alignment? Um, I'm a big believer in, in identifying what your core values are. I have, uh, on my refrigerator, I started doing personal development work, um, gosh, I would say in the early 2000s. And, and I really started looking at what feels good to me. I mean, yes, I got to pay the bills. Yes, I got to keep the lights on. But what feels good? And it comes down to identifying what my personal values are in, in my personal life, in my professional life in any relationship that I have. And, and when something feels, and you feel that contrast and you're not, you're not in alignment, it's, it's pretty recognizable. I'm also a big believer um, that when, you're, when your values are in alignment, when your soul's at dis-ease, that your body will develop some types, type of disease. Like, I mean, you look at the number of people you know, who are, you know, medicated on antidepressants and everything else. Not that they don't have a place, they do. But, you know, it comes out into, am I in alignment or am I not in alignment? And, and for me, you know, having those values forward, you know, like I said, I want to teach, train and inspire people to their other, to their own personal greatness. I love those light bulb moments. And, and anytime I feel unhappy, disgruntled, um, just kind of uh, a little edgy, maybe a little B word. Um, I am definitely not in alignment with those values. And the thing is, is I am not a tree. I'm not planted in any one place. Nobody is. You see all the layoffs going on now. Some of those mm -hmm. people don't realize the best thing that's happened to them is leaving that job. And because they were, whether they want to admit it or not, they were probably miserable. And, and you can look at any time something like that happens and say, Hmm, what's the lesson here? And now let's get excited about what I can do next. And, and it all comes down to those values. I love what you said there. First, uh, you know, I think not everyone would leave a job over values. Um, I know I've left, I've done that. Um, and, and ultimately I remember there was one um, board member actually at one position that, that I was at and I was in a cab with her and she said, I'm going to give you a piece of advice for now and forever. 
just remember it's just a job, <laughs> you know, it's just a job. And um, uh, another thing that you've said already in, in this episode um, is that, you know, sales is sales, no matter what you're in, you'll have to learn new, what are the new pain points and in industries? What are the needs? What are the wants? And, and it's ultimately about people, but you can, you can move, you can pivot and you're literally in the midst of one right now, which I, I think is exciting. Um, given all of that, um, there still are challenges. So even though you're a leader and, you know, and, and have, you know, a fair amount of expertise, um, what, what are those challenges today? Uh, you know, the challenges that I face pivoting into SaaS is, um, you know, learning new tech stack, things change so rapidly. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the, that's part of the reason I wanted to be in technology. That's, that's, you know, I, I don't like being bored. <laughs> I don't sit down very well. I'm an on the go person, but at the end of it, I love learning and, um, I love a challenge. So the challenge comes to anytime I have a new platform thrown at me, um, a new, you know, I, I love, I fell into project management probably because I'm the person who organizes my spices. Like <laughs> I, have wow. a label, I, I like details like that. So I've used a number of different project management tools. Um, and, and so the challenge is always trying to put the puzzle together and say, how does this work? And, and if I just don't want to, I'm not in the right space. Um, and, and that's not a good place to be either. So I think you always have to be willing to learn and also be willing to say, Hmm, how else can we do this different? Because when you find yourself in a situation, we all find those people, we all find those cultures where it's like, well, this is the way it's always been for me. That's not a place where I want to be. <laughs> I don't want to be someplace. Well, this is just how we've always done it. Um, because it, embracing innovation as exciting, embracing opportunity and challenging, exciting, even if you feel like you're pulling your hair out at times because you have those moments. But uh, the challenges are definitely um, moving forward for me in spite of fear because uh, I have a very strong personality. Uh, I've been very self-sufficient my entire life, but there are times inside of me as confident as I am, I'm that little girl going, can I really do this? I'm scared. Um, and it's moving forward in, in spite of things and asking for help because I, that was a hard thing for me to do in life, uh, being so self-sufficient, living in survival mode so much in my life that I realized that asking for help is not a weakness, it's actually a strength. And if I don't know somebody or know something, I'm going to you know, do my best to use like in the tech world, the platforms to use tutorials, to go to YouTube. YouTube can teach you anything in this world. Um, I learned how to fix my fiat with it. That's another skill I have. I'll put that on a resume. Um, but, you know, you know, um, asking for. Help. I would not. I would not ride in any car that I fixed or had a hand in fixing. <laughs> I would not ride in any car that he fixed. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you guys need me to fix the car, I will come over and do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but you know, asking for help is really a strength. Um, and, and, you know, learning how to, to also be willing to pay it forward and help other people. Well, that, that's a, a great lead into my next question. Uh, you know, you've worked in uh, you know, a lot of different companies, uh, both as kind of a lone wolf, uh, as an entrepreneur, uh, which is, you know, a very sales focused role by nature. Um, and you've also been part of a team, uh, making much more complex sales that, that require more teamwork. Um, and I guess my question is like, how important is the, the skill of collaboration, both in asking for help and giving help and other collaboration? Um, how important is the skill of collaboration to sales? I think the skill of collaboration is very important, especially if you have a healthy dynamic within your team, which means understanding the personalities of each person in your team um, and how people show up. Uh, I, I am a bullet point, very direct person, which is not always the best communication style. Um, and I, some side note, I am a feeler, a deep feeler. You might not see it on the outside. Um, and, uh, and, but I realize my communication style when it comes to collaboration 
isn't for everybody. So for myself, when it comes to collaboration, and this has taken a long time to learn, I didn't know this in my 20s, but is, is knowing how somebody else shows up so that I can best communicate with them. Um, mm -hmm. and, and realizing that, you know, my directness, my bullet points might be something that, um, that they're not as receptive to because it's not their communication style. So sometimes I have to adjust myself, um, oftentimes, not sometimes, I have to adjust myself to meet them where they're at. And, and I think that that's a very important skill that everyone should really work on is how do I show up? How does this person show up? How can we be the best team together? Know what the, know what the common goal is. Because right there, if, if people aren't going back to alignment, if you don't know what the common goal is for the organization, for your team, for the project, breaking it down from big picture down to the, the step-by-step, then you're not gonna get anywhere. Nobody wants to be in a meeting, to have a meeting, to schedule another meeting, to have another meeting, and where nothing happens in any of those meetings. <laughs> And, and I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, you know, really, um, you know, understanding, understanding the overall goals and objectives and, and setting, you know, KPIs, really important tracking and everything. So this way you move forward. Hmm. So how do you, how do you, how do you get everyone aligned around that same goal? Like you've got like different departments. They all have different KPIs, uh, you know, depending on how KPI focused the company is, but like everyone's got different priorities. How do you, how do you bring everybody together like that? What are, what are the, what are the soft and hard skills that are, that are needed to, to kind of push that through? Well, first and foremost, I'm a big believer that everybody should know what the mission of the organization is, right? Um, a lot of people are so excited about this job. I just got this job. Okay. Well, what's the greater mission of the organization? because that's, that's where a lot of the collaboration starts because you're, you're gonna have the breakdown, you're gonna have different departments. But if you're unclear of really what it is that your, your role in the, in the organization's mission really even is, it's hard to even start with talks of collaboration, right? And, and depending on the various size of the organization, um, and size doesn't matter, small, a, a five person team, a, a 20,000 plus person team. What's the overall mission? Who do we serve? How do we do it? Why do we do it? You know, I love going back to Simon Sinek, start with why, right? Why yeah. do we do this? And then, and then, you know, I think that, you know, any type of organization and what I've found is, is, you know, coaching and leadership, uh, having those, those, those check-ins, departmental check-ins, and not just, you know, people get so worried, like, oh my gosh, I have my, my yearly review, am I in trouble, right? Well, well, why do people feel that way? They feel that way because along the way, there, there probably hasn't been enough nurturing of the culture, nurturing of going back to the mission of the organization um, to to really have them feel good about what it is they do. Are there gonna be conflicts? Are there gonna be people you don't just don't like? Absolutely. There are plenty of people who don't like me. I mean, I don't know why, but they don't. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's, it's those common bonds, kind of going back to coffee, going back to that, why do we do what we do? Why do we do it together? How do we do it better? And, and if there's an issue, how do we deal with it in a healthy and constructive way to move forward? So um, it really, for me, collaboration all starts with the mission and the people being on the same page. And then uh, if you, when you have those difficult moments and you will, it comes down to ownership. People always wanna own the good. Well, we did this or we're so good. Well, sometimes you have to take personal ownership for the bad too. Um, I'm a big, I'm a big believer in communication. And this is a, a way that I, I really communicate well. Um, I don't do well when people want to yell and scream and, and behave like a two-year-old, right? Um, I think that having a communication where you say, you know, help me understand why this wasn't done or where's the roadblock <laughs> that this is happening because, you know, pitting department against department, we didn't get this done because they didn't get it done and they didn't get it done because they didn't get it done. It, it leads to an overall unhappy culture. So uh, missions- so finger, finger pointing is not as effective as people pretend it is. 
I'm gonna write oh, that one down. So frustrating. <laughs> so frustrating. And and again, like the one thing I always told my son growing up, good or bad, you always have to take full responsibility. There have been times I've been in a sales um, situation where, you know, internally I might be saying, well, this, this is not going the way it should have gone. And this is not my fault. The discovery by so-and-so wasn't done ahead of time. I didn't have the information, but in that moment, guess who's responsible? I'm responsible. So taking that ownership of the situation is always, is always key. And I think that that's where you give people in an organization an opportunity to feel like an owner, right? They own that area. And, and, you know, are you there to support? Are you there to lead? Yes. But, you know, allowing somebody to, to feel like this is theirs means that people just show up and perform better in general it has been my experience. Mm-hmm. Appreciate that. I wanted to ask you about um, gender and the field of sales. Oh, I've got lots of thoughts. Um, and I can tell you that through my own career, I've had times where it was very disheartening Um when I realized how my gender played in or did not play in. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the, the playing field isn't equal uh, with gender. It's not equal with people of color. Um, there's a lot of change that still has to happen in sales. I think the statistic I saw mm-hmm. is like 76% of, of those in sales roles are still white men. And as the mother of a white man, like <laughs> I'm not bashing white dudes, but there's still so much room for improvement to allow people, allow women, allow people of color who have skill, ability, and talent to show up um, and sell and sell well. Um, and so as a woman, I did have a time when I, when I was seduced into pharmaceutical sales, like I said, I, I, um, it was at a time when the industry was still known for hiring the Ken and Barbie type, right? I never have seen myself as the Barbie type, but apparently at the time I really, I really fit the bit, uh, the part. And uh, I was, you know, mid twenties in heels. I'm over six foot tall. I, you know, was working as a trainer. I was very fit. Um, and I'll be honest, when I got into the actual daily function of the job, um, did I have the opportunity to have high level conversations? Yes. But there was much of the job that I realized I was hired for how I looked. And, and that part was disheartening, right? Because I have a brain. I have the ability to have really intense conversations. And there were some, there were, some, there were many physicians that I would call on that, you know, really had no desire to have those conversations. And because I was young, many times often acted very inappropriately. Um, and and that, was, that was a hard thing to deal with, especially as a young woman, knowing like, how do I show up? What is appropriate to say, um, to say, hey, this is not okay, how you're behaving. Um, and, and how do you change that, that landscape? You know, because, you know, going back a couple of years ago when you had the Me Too movement, mm-hmm. there were things that happened early in my career that, you know, I didn't report that were very uncomfortable um, because you didn't feel like you had a voice. And as women, oftentimes we're programmed. Uh, one thing I'm very passionate about is helping women, especially women in their career, um, advocate for themselves, even right down to their salary. You know, this is what I deserve to be paid. Um, but, you know, as women, and in particular my generation, um, there was this notion of you just need to be grateful you have a job right? Don't ask for more. And you see that all the time in, in any position, the number of women who don't say, hey, I, I can do this job. I might not be able to do all the things on, on you know, the job rec, but I, I can come in here and I can learn this and I can do it. And, and that just comes down to programming that we really have to change with women. Wow. Okay. There's a lot there. <laughs> so, I mean, and that's also true. I don't know the exact statistic, but like, like most men will apply for whatever jobs, no matter if they're like 30% qualified and women need to be like 90% ish. And I'm not exact here, but it's absolutely. I've, I've seen that. Like that. I, I've seen that as a hiring manager, seeing people coming in for, for interviews. I've seen that among my friends, uh, you know, people that I'm helping try to find the job. I see, you know, I send the job posting to somebody and they're like, oh, I'm just not qualified for that. Like, yeah, you are. You're like 40% of, you know, the, of what they're looking for. That's amazing. 
um, and just like, you know, a man would jump right in on that. I'm like, oh yeah, I can figure out the rest. Um, can I go back to some of the other, there's a lot there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Stay on this a bit. Yeah. Okay. That's okay. Um, so one thing that you talked about was inappropriate behavior. Um, today's world, what should someone in sales do if inappropriate behavior takes place? Well, I think, uh, having those discussions about boundaries, um, and really, even when you look at it this way, people starting out their sales career, whether they're going, you know, many college programs have sales programs now. Um, you don't have to go to college to get into being a sales professional, um, but depending on the industry, but like helping establish boundaries, which is can be, can be very difficult in the fluidity of the world that we have today. Um, and, and I think that, you know, more women need to mentor women. I wish I had had some older women in my career early on say, hey, you know, this might happen and this is inappropriate and you need to speak up about it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, also, you know, in the, in the world of sales, I, I, I um, am a sober person and I don't drink, um, which throws people a lot in the world of sales. Um, but, you know, unfortunately at times, no matter where you're at at a conference, um, whether you're out to dinner, let's just face it, alcohol can lubricate your brain and stuff in a, in a way. And, and many people sometimes allow some of their boundaries to slip. Um, so I think having those discussions uh, throughout the career, throughout making sure that is someplace in, in the workplace, is someplace truly a safe space that you can, you can talk with somebody and say, I'm not comfortable with how this happened. Or am I reading into this the right way? Am I not reading it the right way? What have I, where, where's my part in, in this whole thing? And I'm not victim blaming or anything like that. So please don't interpret it as that. But it comes down to teaching people how to set healthy boundaries because to be honest, that's not really taught. Okay. How does, how does that, you know, you're, you're, you're I think that's on point. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're speaking about establishing boundaries, but you know, as just you know, we're talking about that, and we're we're talking about sales. Um, it's easy. I I, I want to say it's easy to talk about boundaries in the workplace, but I, it's a very hard discussion, even more so uh, when you're talking about clients. Like, what if you're, what do you do when you're faced with, you know, somebody crossing boundaries when they shouldn't be crossing boundaries, but they're also just a prospect and uh, it's somebody that you need to, that you're trying to sell to, but that, how do you deal with that added level of complexity to this problem? That's a huge, that's a huge level of complexity. Thanks for asking that. I think that again, going back to your, your own personal values, um, first, if you're at an organization that asks you to compromise who you are for a sale, then you need to change organizations first and foremost. Um, because you know, if, if a prospect thinks that it is okay to step over the line of business um, and that, you know, is not welcome, then, then, you know, having an organization that's healthy should also be able to support a sales rep and say, do we really want to do business with you? For example, I had a situation a while back and this was, um, not anything in terms of a sexual overstep or anything like that, but completely inappropriate emails, you know, all caps screaming at me, like, like 30 emails, like screaming. It was just so bizarre. And fortunately I had leadership. I discussed it with, I said, this behavior, like if they're doing this in their personal or professional life, I don't know what they're doing in their personal life. But, um, you know, my leadership actually had a conversation and said, we're not going to, you don't treat our, our, our employees this way. You know, you're, we want your business, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, downright disrespect, treating people as if they're not even human as an organization, do you want to do business with an organization that has representatives like that? I, I personally want, but, but I think that when it comes to boundaries in the world of sales, as a sales representative, if you feel compromised in any way, if you feel like your company doesn't have your back, um, then you should really think about making a change and finding an organization that does have your back because compromising who you are, your own integrity for a sale is going to stick with you much longer than that commission is much, much longer. Mm-hmm. 
So it's really up to the company to, to develop an atmosphere of a, a culture of salespeople knowing that the company has their back. Absolutely. Absolutely. In my personal opinion. Yeah. That's what, like, that's the one we're asking like for here. Yeah. 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 In my personal opinion, I think that, that, you know, being there with an organization, with leadership, you know, the, the old school of you, you just do whatever it takes to, you know, get it done. And in, in particular, you know, like, uh, you know, in particular as women, like, I'm not going to be just a good little girl to get things done. Right. I, I am going to make sure that I stick on my personal values, my integrity. I'm going to align myself with an organization that supports those and that mm -hmm. has my back because this, like, you just, you do whatever it takes to get things done. Um, mm. Again, whatever it takes can leave scars and, and the accolades that you might receive for getting that sale and closing that sale. Is it, is it really worth it if you're left with honestly, long-term trauma, male or female, because there are all sorts of boundaries that are crossed with men too, all the time. So, um, you know, the company really good, good people stay with companies become loyal because of the culture that's there. Right. And, and sales people become loyal to any other company because of the culture that you're a part of it. You're something, you're not just dispend, you know, disposable. And, and that's where leadership has to really step up and say, my employees, my people are my most valuable asset. And I can't do, we can't do what we do and do it well without people who support us and run the show. And, and organizations really have to say what's okay and what's not okay. And, and, and walk the walk. It's real easy to say, well, look at our pretty DEI statement. And like, you know, you know, these are our values, but if you're not living the values as an organization, you're going to have a lot of turnover. You're going to have a lot of unhappy people. Um, and in the long run, I don't know, I think your sales will probably kind of suck in the long run, no matter how great your product is yeah. because of the constant turnover and the, the lack of culture. Bree, what's, what's your biggest challenge with sales goals? Um, identifying, uh, the realistic from the um, the shooting from the star for the stars, I guess. Mm. Uh, I I love big challenging goals, but I'm also a realist. You you have to you know walk before you can run, right? And and being able to say, hey, we're going to build these sales, these skills, um, and flex that muscle and keep getting bigger and bigger, and then you know, letting the goals grow appropriate. You know, I think you see a lot of people who could be really great at sales get discouraged from a very uh, early start because they haven't had a leader step in and teach them the foundational sales skills needed to enhance their problem, natu their natural ability so that they can continue to flex that muscle, continue to get stronger and, and really increase those goals. And the goals should be, you know, we've heard of those, you know, bag the big, uh, big audacious goals, right? We've heard of those big, big hairy audacious goal. Yeah. Big hairy, that's the what it is. Yeah. The hag, yeah. The hag, yeah. And and I love those, but I also love helping people get the small wins first, um, because that's built that builds confidence. Uh, and 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 so goal setting, for me, it's the challenges getting as a big thinker, as a big dreamer. Uh, getting like looking at the huge goal, but then how do you break it down into something that's realistic? You've, you've along your own journey, helped a lot of other people on their journeys. Um, but you've also probably been given some choice words of wisdom. Um, what's the best piece of advice you've gotten? Ah, Stephanie Weisenberger. She was a recruiter when I went in and, and, uh, and went to this pharmaceutical sales back then they had like these, you go to a big conference room. It was like a cattle call, right? And um, my ex worked in pharmaceuticals and he said, you know, salespeople make a lot of money. You should go check that out. <laughs> well, I walk in and I was in a white suit. And again, in heels, I'm over six foot. And nobody told me that you should wear black. <laughs> so I walk in, in this entire room of all everyone in black suits. And I, I stood out. Um, 
And I sat down and to be honest, to be fair, my resume was a piece of crap. It was, it wasn't lined out well. It didn't flow well. It didn't show what I could do. Um, Cause let's face it, like, unless you're a professional writing or resume writer, writing your own resume can be pretty daunting. Um, and Stephanie Weisenberger looks at me and she goes, your resume is a piece of crap, but you present yourself well. Can you get me a new resume by Sunday night? And I'll put you in front of the hiring manager. So what I did was instead of being offended, I was like, well, she's kind of right. My resume is a piece of crap. But um, I found a woman. If you can't do it yourself, you find a professional who can do it for you. So I found a woman at the local university there in Kalamazoo, Michigan, Western Michigan University. She and I spent the weekend, because she, she was in love with words. She didn't just do my resume. We sat down together and we dug into who I was. And by the time it came out on paper, I was like, wow, like I am, my, my confidence was built. I'm like, wow, look at what I've done. Mm. And, and I presented her, Stephanie, with that resume. I had a meeting with the hiring manager. And by that Friday, I had a job. So um, if, you, if you can't do it yourself, find somebody who can help you. And believe in your abilities, uh, even if somebody gives you a backhanded compliment like Stephanie did. <laughs> well, so the best advice is always a little bit offensive and a little bit insulting. <laughs> I would agree with you. Yes. So let me ask you, um, when it comes to professional development, refining your trade as you know, yeah, you're pivoting to a new um, area. What do you do? Who do you listen to? What do you read? What kind of, I don't know, is it workout? What? Tell, what? Fill us in. So, so I'm one of the few people in the world who actually doesn't own their own TV, at least here in the United States. Oh. I've never been a big TV watcher. I actually, I, I can't hold a grudge. I broke up with cable in 2007. Um, and so we're not getting back together. And, um, and so I listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, I have a lot of personal development podcasts I listen to. One of them uh, it's, 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 it's not even business related. I mean, but it, it helps in all aspects. It's uh, called motivation university. Right. And, uh, who's, the, so, who's, the, who's on that? Mo, um, well, it's a compilation, it's a compilation, but it's, uh, let me pull it up real quick. So I say it the right way, you know, and of course, you know, because I'm basic like this, I also listen to like murder podcasts, but we won't go there. Um, <laughs> motivation daily. So it's called motiversity motiversity and sometimes they have um and they they always take speakers who are well known some of them very successful business leaders right and and you know will take various aspects of their speeches and when i listen to things like that when i start my day with those those types of mind filling it gives me an opportunity to again uh flex my optimism muscle realize that there's more realize that everything that started um that's great really started from adversity you know, you know, it'd be great if we could all just wake up and be like, I am the best ever, you know, first thing and never have any adversity, but anything that's great started from adversity. Um, I am a big believer. There's a podcast um, called How I Built This on NPR. Oh, I've listened to that. Yeah. I love that because it, it's, it's so great to listen to these companies that are become household names and understand where they started right? And understand the vision and the dream that, that their founders had and what they tackled, what every, every, you know, roadblock that came at them and how they overcame those challenges. So I'm a big believer in listening to podcasts like that. When it comes to educating myself um, on, on something new, like if I have a new platform I'm working with, I'm always, like I mentioned earlier, I'm always a big believer in going first to the company's website, <laughs> seeing what tutorials they have, going to their YouTube page, seeing what tutorials they have and, and doing a little bit of self-study. Um, and, 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 and you do that in every aspect. For myself, when it comes to, to fitness and health and wellness, what I do with that is a lot of it, you know, especially when I was younger, you just wanted to look hot, right? Like I want to look hot. <laughs> and that was a big motivating factor, right? But then as I get older, I start thinking about how do I want to age? What do I want that last marginal decade of my life to look like? Because I plan on living well into my, my 90s like my grandmother did, but I want to do it in really good health, right? And, and when I have those visions and, and education, what I do is I dig into the education and I just try to find out, well, how can I do this better? 
How can I, how can I optimize, whether it's my work, my health, my relationship, how do I optimize um, those, those situations so that I have the best outcome? And, and so personal growth development, I have, uh, I, I still love real books. I can't get into reading books on, on a screen. I write totally notes. With you. I, I have oh, I've, I've totally made the switch onto Kindle. Oh, I, kudos <laughs> to you. I, I have a love affair with books. And if I let you borrow a book, you better know it's just out on loan and I will be coming back for it. <laughs> but, <laughs> but if I think you should have the book, I'll buy it for you. But, um, but always being willing to grow. So for me, that's really um, where, where it started. And don't get me wrong, even though I don't have a TV, I still have an, a laptop and Amazon Prime. So I have plenty of mindless entertainment that I have at times. But, um, yeah. and, but it's, it's goal setting for myself, my personal goals, going back to my personal values. Um, we live on, and at the end of the day, we live on a giant floating rock in the middle of space, surrounded by other planets, surrounded by ever expanding universe with other planets, people having the same conversation in some other universe. And that just blows my mind. And, and so being a little woo there, I know I got a little woo, but- um, I feel like we need to really dig into that for the next time. It really just makes me go, um, I got one life to live here. And, and I think that, that that drive for more came from some of the adversity that I had in life. And, mm. and wanting to, wanting to just actually live in, in the time that I'm here and to learn more and to be around. I like surrounding myself. You know, we've heard that, you know, we've heard many different personal development coaches say, you know, you're a reflection of the five people you're surrounding yourself with. And that's really true, whether it's your, you know, your financial life, your, your person aspects of your personal life. Like I want to be around people like I'm not currently in a relationship or married, but I want to be around people who actually like who they're in a relationship with. Right? I want to be around growth relationships. And some relationships are just maintenance relationships. You still love them, but you're not growing with them. But whether it's my personal life, my professional life, especially my professional life, I want to be around people who, who think next level, who talk about next level, who, who want to move beyond the status quo and who don't want to live with, well, this is just how it's always been done. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, Brie, how can people uh, follow you? Where can they find you and gain wisdom from you? Oh, um, I would say, thank you. I would say LinkedIn is probably the best way to reach out to me currently. Um, down the road, if you guys ever have me back part two, you want to know more about what's going on with me. Um, I'm going to be doing some online fitness, nutrition and wellness coaching again, because that is a passion of who I am. Um, and, and I realized that, you know, sometimes it is just a job, like we talked about before. <clears throat> um, but there's so many aspects to who I am outside of what I do for my main source of income and, and helping other people live better lives through health, wellness, and nutrition is, is a passion of mine. So as that project mm -hmm. continues to get up and going, I will, I will let you know, because people will be able to reach out to me there as well. Good. Well, Bree, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us in the Customer Cafe. Thank you so much. Thank I really had a great time. Yeah, so did we. Thanks for joining us for today's brew. Like what you heard? Let the world know. Leave a five-star review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. Subscribe now so you never miss an exciting episode. See you soon.